Our parenting commentator today is parenting coach and education consultant Joseph Dreesen. Children and boundaries, a common question for parents. What are appropriate boundaries and how can I get my child to buy into them? Parenting coach and education consultant Joseph Dreesen will discuss. Cura Joseph, welcome back to Nine to Noon. Hey, Cura. Hey, wonderful. Uh, wish you a happy new year. Thank you. It's uh, great to be back. Well, and first, um, yeah. yes, it's a it's a great topic. It is. Um, it's um, setting limits and holding children accountable and coaching them to be actively responsible. In happy families, you know, that actually works really well. And the parents have great relationships. The children are happy and the parents are happy. Everybody is positive and productive and, and help to run the family. And the children mature and actively participate in, in sort of a social system. And that's the ideal. And many, many parents are, reach that. But I thought I'd just go through a few things which might be yeah, helpful for some parents to think about and see if it helps them. Wonderful. Go so ahead. So what does it look like? Sorry, yeah. What does it look like? I've got, I've got 10 points, <laughs> Catherine, and you can interrupt me and ask some questions whenever you like. So at the end of each point. So what what does it look like in a happier functional family when a parent um, uh, provides proper leadership? And uh, that's very important. And so there's a gradient. Some parents are quite tough-minded and quite strict and and they demand quite a lot but they love their children and the, and the children are happy with that that's sort of a quite an authoritative process um, and then on the other hand you've got some liberal parents who are just more relaxed and they uh, nudge the child and they just see the development and they see it more like growing a plant rather than directing a building site and um, and, and they they're happy with that both those things will work depending on the personality it's, if you veer to the extreme, it gets not good. If you become too authoritarian and aggressive and angry, and you say, well, it never harmed me, you know, it never harmed me, then you should listen to yourself and think, didn't it? You know, do you really want to copy that, how you were parented? That is, doesn't work for children. They become uh, activated neurologically. Similarly, if you're too liberal and wishy-washy and you, you let the children get away with what they shouldn't, it doesn't do them any good. They become anxious and they start pushing boundaries. So so leadership is sort of a, a positive thing. You should see yourself as a coach, a coach of a team, of a family, and uh, the minute you get up, the coaching starts. That's what I propose. So you're happy with that, Catherine? Yes, me just to carry, on? carry on, please. Cool. Then I propose to you that coaching is better than correcting. Like, how would you like to go to work without a job description, without anybody inducting given whatsoever, and you constantly call into the boss's office because you did this wrong and that wrong, and you'd missed their deadline, and, and you have no idea what you're doing. How, how would you respond to that? You would become negative and angry. And so um, parents getting irritated and annoyed with their children because they're not doing things is because the children haven't, haven't been coached enough. So my proposal to the parents is coach 90% of the time and correct only 10% of the time. So that means coaching your child to pack their bag and showing them over and over again until they get it. Um, coaching them how to do the dishes. Uh, coaching them how to respond to family quarrels and, and showing them there's a better way of doing it. And so they feel mum and dad is on my side and they're trying to help me to do the right thing and I want to please them. And that usually works quite well. That usually works quite well. Especially if you praise your child specifically for the things uh, they're doing well, but also for the things you want them to do. For example, let's say the morning routine isn't very good and the child is dawdling, et cetera, et cetera. And you want to think about why is that happening. Um, but one day it was a little bit better. And so you say, well, um, 
I'm really happy. I think in the morning you're becoming more mature and, and you're getting your act together. So well done. And, uh, and you think, well, that wasn't very good, you know. But the child associates the positive praise with the actions of improvement. And that's the way all human beings and animals operate, to gain praise, to gain the acceptance, to gain the relationship. I'm willing to do anything, you know, so I'll help you. You do also want to have a look at the environment of the child. And I recommend that parents go to the library and get some book about Montessori education. Because Montessori... The foundation of Montessori is that the environment and the learning experience of the child are within their capability. And so if your child's bedroom is a total chaos, they're not going to fix that by themselves. You need to help them. You need to pack stuff away. You want to get as many stuff in boxes which are not used. You want to have shelves which are visible. You want to have drawers with dividers. You want to have everything simply done and then you want to coach your child this is where you put your clothes at night and, and and you coach them in a manageable system which they can manage and and it's sad to see that some parents allow the whole thing to go crazy and the child is unable to cope and unable to deal with chaos and then there's a big blow up but that's not the way to go and so think about it through the eyes of the child and ask them how is this working for you this bedroom how could we improve it name one thing etc so then once you've done that, once you've got your environment going, your expectations are going, you're coaching them, you're being a kind of caring parent, then, of course, there are also times when your child, you know, um, uh, uh, kicks over the traces. All children will defy and disobey and don't do it, etc. And, and most parents have the skills to kind of play it cool and try and <laughs> divert and distract. But eventually there will be times when you've got to say, excuse me, this must be done and you're not doing it, you know, I, I want you to do it. Or this must stop and it must stop today right now. And then you need to negotiate with the child. This must stop. Is there a way I can improve this for you? For example, you have rows with your, with your brother all the time. How can we do this? Can we separate you and, and can, can I help you? But it must stop. And then when the first time it doesn't stop, it carries on, then there must be a consequence. The child must experience something. And so there's a whole range of things you can do. You can send them to their room. And people say timeout is really wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong with timeout, especially say, when you say to the child, uh, keep the door open. I'm not sending you away. I'm, I'm asking you to have some time to think about I ask you not to do this and you did it again. So timeout, have a thinking time. Many really great parents and great teachers use that concept, not of sending them away, but giving a time, the child, a chance to chill out and think and reflect. And then a wonderful thing is to say to the child, when you're ready to have a little chat to me, come and talk to me and then tell me, why do you think I'm upset about you, you know? And that can, you could, for some children, the best thing to do that is to do that next day, you know, tomorrow morning. So when you have time, of course, some children get very upset. They're too young to cope with time out. And so you have time in that is, well, we'll sit in your bedroom together, you know, and, uh, and you can have a bit of a tantrum and meltdown and I'll sit here and I'll just read my book and until you calm down and then we can think about that, you know. And so some parents must fight battles. They must fight battles. Uh, I think I've talked about this in my, my my program before but i remember witnessing a battle of wills between a three-year-old girl and her grandmother and her mother <laughs> about you know not apologizing for something that she should apologize for and the women the mother and the grandmother prevailed eventually the child did apologize and that's good 
that's good. You mustn't allow a child to, to you know, like we mustn't allow our 15-year-old son to drive a car without a license. We are saying that's not going to happen. We're going to win that battle. So um, I propose that you must not be afraid of using consequences in any kind of time out. And, but you can also have a wonderful thing in which you um, have a list of privileges and chores. And you can put as many privileges, you can convert what you think, what the child thinks is rights to privileges. Uh, you can say it's a privilege that you're like, you know, that, that I wash your uh, rugby gear. It's a privilege that I, I, I pick you up from school to go to your piano lesson, you know. It's a, actually, there's lots of privilege in this family, which we give you because you take part in helping us to run the family. And when a child makes a big mistake, you can ask him, well, here's a list, and you talk, you have it typed it up of the privileges and chores and positive things you can do and say you made a mistake. What's your choice? You know, shall we talk about that? And you could, for example, say, well, what about you do two acts of kindness to your siblings, you know, and report to me privately what you've done as an act of kindness. That's positive uh, pro-social behavior can be sort of a consequence. And, uh, and some children respond very well to this. In the extreme end, some children are extremely willful. And very stubborn, you know, they're all going to become prime ministers one day. No, I wasn't talking about RPM, <laughs> but what I'm saying, some people, you know, she would tell me off. Um, but what I'm saying is some people are very willful by temperament and they push and push and push and push. And for some parents, they say they put more uh, basic human rights on the list of privileges. So if you want your dessert, then you're not, you must dry the dishes. And if you don't want to dry the dishes, I'm not arguing, just no dessert. Finish. And so the child earns points, brownie points and privileges, and, but that's at the extreme end. But it's a very useful tool. So what I propose to you is that you, you pick your battles and you play this game and it goes right back to the beginning of attachment and nurturing, of coaching and expectations, of praising the child for what they do well, for supporting them what is not going well for changing their environment so they can cope with it and then gradually insisting that certain things must happen and if they don't there will be some kind of experience for you to make you, you know, put your listening ears on and of course most families do this really well and most families can but I want to going back to the beginning some families do this too harshly and I would I would counsel them paddle back and treat your child with respect and keep their boundaries and keep the dignity of the child. Like you having a huge row and blow up and let it all out and make them make yourself feel good and the child is quite damaged by this, that's just not good. You wouldn't want that. So keep the dignity of the child and, and the, their, their, their personal kind of fragility and rights and, and sort of their personhood intact. That's my advice. On the other hand, uh, you must provide that leadership. Children become anxious, oppositional, and angry if they feel the parents are not doing their job. And so we'll come to the end of this talk, I think. We nearly end. But so what does it look like in a great family? The parents and children are happy. They've got great relationships and mutual respect. Uh, the children, as they get older, they do, do more chores and they'd have greater responsibilities. They look after the siblings and they look after each other. The family is incredibly productive and, and on task and every person in the family is sort of operating well within the family structure and is contributing to the well-being. And, uh, and they learn through the process 
that every person in that family is worthy of respect and care and that when differences occur, they are done with respect and care. Just quickly, Joseph, can you tailor these? I love the idea that the currency works well with some kids, you know, converting the privileges. Yes. Uh, that they're, totally. they're going to be the, the, the money men and women of the world. Um, for others, you've got this very stubborn personality that will be the three-year-old that will hold on to the end. And, of course, this can create some variation in how you might want to parent each child, which can also create some, oh, this, this person gets away with this and that person gets away with that. They'll be at different ages too. So... Is it absolutely fine to pick and choose the, the method that works best for each child? That is a wonderful, wonderful comment, Catherine. Yes, the, the, the process is different for some children, but the outcomes eventually are the same. You know, the three-year-old who doesn't want to put their toys away and throws a big wobbly and the whole family is watching kind of in horror. <laughs> and the, the parents sort of cajoles and gets in. But gradually that three-year-old will change and eventually learn to put their toys away. Their siblings might help, and so it takes a lot longer and a lot more time, And but it will happen. And the same, like your adolescents, some of them are very cooperative, some of them are very flighty, they run out, they slam the door, they're never going to do it, they hate you, and everybody thinks, oh, goodness me, you know. And you accept that for a while, and then you coach the child as a better way to deal with that, and your other siblings observe it. But in the end, all siblings must obey the basic rules, and they mustn't feel, you know, there's a one rule for one and one rule for the other, but the process is different. Sometimes children are so special in their needs that everybody just understands this is not going to work for this child, and we'll just have to tiptoe around it. And and actually, children are very astute about that. But sometimes it pays to have a talk about it with the other children, how this particular sibling seemed to be quite difficult, and, and how can we help them, and how can we work together, and how do they feel about it? Wonderful, how Joseph. Yes, yeah, sorry? No, great. Great, Lovely thanks. Lovely to be back at the program. Good to have you back. Thank you very much, Joseph Dreesen, our parenting commentator today. He's a parenting coach and education consultant.